Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young business leaders, welcome to the YBT Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Yutaki, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 101. We've officially crested the 100 mark, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in, for subscribing, and for being a part of this. Hopefully, the content is something that's relevant to you and that you're really enjoying. Uh, We're rolling along here with uh, finding guests, finding people in our local community, finding mentors and finding people that uh, have some clues that they've been able to relate to success or some of the things that they want to speak to that next generation of business leaders. And today's guest is no exception. His name is Mr. Jay Stevens. He's with SCFM Compression here locally in Tulsa. And I'm actually going to turn it over to Jay to talk a little bit about himself because there is a lot there. Uh, He actually gave me the quote, I tell people I can counsel you, I can perform your wedding, I can baptize you, I can kill you, and I can perform your funeral. I'm full service. So I am really excited to dive into some of that stuff. But Jay, if you don't mind, uh, say hello to the audience. And if you can, let's expand a little bit more on that because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff there. Well, thank you, Evan. I appreciate the introduction. And uh, and I'm glad to be be on the podcast and talking to your uh, your subscribers and, and all the interested people yeah. uh, that are affiliated with YBT, I would guess, in some way, shape, or form. So having attended... Uh, uh, one of your luncheons, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the people there. So, if I if I can say some things today that'll be helpful, I I would be uh, I'd be tickled at that. Uh, <laughs> you, you you mentioned the 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 saying that I gave to you. I have to be honest; I didn't come up with that. Somebody else came up with that. Okay, fair enough. They did it after I uh, kind of rehearsed my bio with them, and they said, "Oh man, you're full service. You can do this, this, <laughs> this, this." And I thought, you know, I got I got to capture that one and use that again. I, uh, I really didn't grow up very far from here. I grew up in Oklahoma City. One, one of my few claims to fame is I went to a Catholic high school. I was not a Catholic, but I went to a Catholic high school. And I think, and that was many, many years ago, Evan, I think I am still to this date the only starting Protestant quarterback they've oh, wow. had on their football team. So <laughs> that, that's I guess that's one thing I can say I accomplished after high school. Uh, went to went to college. Went to both OU and and uh, what we used to call Central State University of Central Oklahoma is what it's called now. Mm-hmm. I went down to OU just long enough to get into trouble and learn that I couldn't in that environment. I was not mature enough, or neither did I have the discipline enough to come to come back to the fraternity house and sit down and study. Uh, every, every opportunity I had to go out and, and socialize and everything else. Uh, I took advantage of, and I and I figured out I was never going to graduate from college mm. if I continued in that environment. So I, I went back up to Sedate Central State in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, and uh, got back on the dean's list and the president's 
list and, and made my grades and, and graduated from there. I, I kind of took a uh, non-traditional path in terms of career. Uh, I, I went into the military right out of college. You probably saw that on my, uh, mm-hmm. either my LinkedIn or uh, my resume. I, I did it because I didn't know what in the world I was going to do with my life. Uh, having just graduated from college, I had no idea what I, what I wanted to do. And I thought, you know, that would be a way. Going into the military would be a way for me to uh, figure out what I want to do and uh, learn some great skills, learn some leadership and management skills, and um, and just mature. And so that's what I did. And I ended up spending 11 years in, in the U.S. Army, 11 years in the combat arms. And those uh, those are the specialties in the Army that are forward-facing, uh, engaging with the enemy. And, of mm. course, uh, when you're doing that, you spend a lot of time practicing that in the field, which I did. But I did it in Hawaii. Well, (laughs) got to do it. Uh, That's the place to do it. Now, being out in the field was was it was miserable most of the time. But uh, even in Hawaii, people say, how could you be miserable in Hawaii? Well, when you're when you're walking through lava fields and in mountainous terrain and you sleep on a lava rock with no no cushion whatsoever when you sleep and you do most of your walking at night with no flashlights, that's pretty miserable. And yeah. it rains a lot. So, <laughs> um, but the civilian part of it, when I was off duty, I mean, that was fantastic. I played more golf in Hawaii than I played, than I played <laughs> since. So I, I did 11 years in the military. I got stationed in a lot of different places, got a chance to see the world, Evan. And, uh, and got a chance to learn more about what I wanted to do with my life. While I was in the military, I picked up uh, three master's degrees and a doctorate degree, uh, meaning a law degree. Wow. So I, I, uh, was an, I'm an attorney by vocation. And right at, as I got out of the military, I went into banking law because I got to negotiate a lot of high-dollar deals and work with bank managers and suppliers to to uh, buy their services and their their software and their their uh, their IT related um, applications and that kind of stuff so that really that was really uh, exciting to me because we're dealing with uh, multi-million dollar deals and yeah. you sit across the table and, and negotiate with pretty pretty powerful people from IBM and NCR and those kind of things I did that um, I did that for several years. At the same time, Evan, I, I had already gone to seminary when I was in the military. That was one of the masters I got. That, and I, I knew I wanted to serve God in, in one, some way, shape, or form. And so um, I always stayed involved in my church. And I would, I would fill in and preach in, in different churches that needed. Uh, maybe their pastor was on vacation or they went, were in between pastors or whatever. I would fill in. I did a lot of teaching. I did a lot of preaching. And while I was in Chicago practicing banking law, I got a, uh, I got a request from a congregation to come work with them full time. And I, I, I felt like that was the thing I needed to do. So I, I backed out of law, uh, left my position there and, and went into full time preaching. And I did that for another 10 years mm. and, um, and enjoyed it, loved it. Went back into banking law. 
got into nonprofits, did some nonprofit work, uh, was a CEO for a nonprofit organization here in Tulsa. Uh, went out on my own and hung a shingle for a couple of years down in the beautiful Lake Eufaula, south hey. of here, about 75 miles. Yeah. Then I got a, a crazy call, Evan, from the company I'm with now. My predecessor called me on the phone and said, I'm looking for my replacement. And I was told I needed to talk with you. And so uh, I, I was stunned. I had I, did, I knew nothing about oil and gas. And this that's what my company is involved with. We make gas compression systems for the oil and gas industries. And my predecessor calling me uh, and talking about oil and gas, I, I said, this is going to be a short conversation. Because uh, I know nothing about oil and gas, and I don't think I'd really be a good fit. And he goes, no, 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 that's, that's, it's okay that you don't know anything about oil and gas. My partners know about oil and gas. They don't know how to run a business. Mm. So what we need is for you to come up here and uh, take the business, take the reins of the business, and have the, you know, the, the relationships with the banks and with the insurance companies and, and uh, run our administrative and financial piece. And we'll handle we'll handle the other stuff. And and uh, I've been here, starting my ninth year in another month or so. Wow! Congrats. So you know it's interesting. My my career my careers, I've had seven distinct careers. So I'm a recruiter's nightmare. But uh, in my seven careers have all all been. It seems like about a decade. I've been involved a decade or so with each one of those. That, that would make me ninety years old, which I'm not. So that means I did a lot of that stuff concurrently, but uh, it's been, it's been a, it's been a great, I've had a great number of careers and I've learned that people are the same, no matter what career or industry you're in or what, what you're doing, people are always the same and they need leadership and they need, they need compassion and they need understanding. And I've, I've been able to put into practice those things, no matter what career path I was in. And so, um, I'm really grateful for that. It's, it's yeah. worked well and I've enjoyed it. Well, there's a lot to unpack there and I appreciate you kind of going into the, the full story because I think that helps the listeners kind of get a little bit better understanding of who you are and, and kind of the path that you've taken. And I think a lot of the listeners that are tuning in are, are probably some of those that are uh, maybe as early as you were when you first went to OU and you were in school in Oklahoma and you're just sitting there going, you know what, if there's a social event for me to go to, if there's a, is an opportunity for me to go out and have fun, that's kind of like the priority first. And then I, I, I applaud you for kind of recognizing and, and maybe it took, maybe there's a couple of clues vision for you, but uh, ultimately you kind of recognize that you need to kind of change your environment so you can uh, finish that education and, and kind of discover your purpose. I feel like that there was a lot of interweaving of, of different things that you did along the, those lines. But I want to kind of talk a little bit first about um, kind of that moment when you realized that you did need to get a little bit more serious about your education and realizing that it's, it's really up to you at that point, that you got to look in that mirror and say, I'm responsible for my success. I'm responsible for my education moving forward and kind of what that conversation uh, went, went uh, how that conversation went in your head. Okay, sure. I, uh, I was going to OU and um, the, the first year, I, the, the year that I was a freshman at OU was the first year that they allowed freshmen to pledge a fraternity and actually live in the fraternity house. Oh, wow. That, that sounded like a great opportunity for me, <laughs> but it actually worked against me, as you can well imagine. I, I've got this character flaw 
maybe not a character flaw, it's a personality makeup where I'm, I'm a high influencer. I'm, I enjoy social interaction. I enjoy being with people. I'm energized yeah. by speak, speaking to groups and being with people. But I'm also um, very much, I need to be in control. I need to be in charge. I need to be a leader. So you can imagine in a, in a fraternity atmosphere, not only did I want to go, Every time somebody said, hey, let's go here, let's go there, let's go do this. I wanted to lead it. I wanted to be in charge. Yeah. So uh, that just compounded it. And I, I, I can tell you um, that kind of the kind of the moment that I um, became self-aware and, and, and decided this this is not going to work was when I woke up in zoology class. I had gone to zoology class, sat down in my chair fallen asleep at the very beginning of the lecture and at the end of the lecture everybody's clapping and i i woke up and looked around and i had no idea why they were clapping i mean <laughs> nobody made fun of me because there were other people sleeping too but that's when i said you know i must have missed something really good mm-hmm. and and it's because i'm tired and it's because i'm making some bad choices and i've got to turn this thing around so uh i was able to turn it around being an overachiever i turned it around and I had a double major and, you know, really made my grades and, and, uh, and, and also decided I liked school in, in the, you know, if I could, if I could, if I could make myself study and have the discipline, I really did enjoy school and I enjoyed, um, you know, just learning things. And so I did turn it around, obviously. Yeah, I kind of, as I was looking through some of the, the degrees you have and the things that you've done, uh, I would classify you as a lifelong learner. Like you're always kind of expanding yes. your knowledge. It's it's not yes. something that stops at college. It's something that continues on and especially taking on a role of CEO of a company that does oil and, uh, oil and gas. And it's something that you knew nothing about. Uh, you almost have to just be willing to to learn and to ed- continue to educate yourself and and uh, i think a lot of times people and especially me when i graduated from college i was like all right that's it i'm good i have everything that i need to know actually i think right. when i was about 13 or 14 my parents would tell you that i already knew everything or at least that's what i told them but sure. uh you know as i got in, uh graduated from college i i, I realized very, very quickly that college didn't necessarily give me the tools that I needed for the workforce. It prepared me to learn the tools that I needed for the workforce. So right. you did a complete 180 from, you know, sleeping through class to getting, you know, majors and doctorates and going to seminary. So, so uh, what, what do you think fueled that uh, drive and, and what continues to fuel that drive for you? I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm fascinated by learning new things um, and I'm a quick study. Mm-hmm. So when I got here to, to SCFM, uh, the first thing I did was I asked all the managers to prepare a briefing for me and come in and sit down with me and tell me about their department, how it functioned, uh, what they needed, what was going well, what wasn't going so well, those kind of things. And that's how I really got up to speed very quickly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it's that, it's that going back to what you said, um, it's that desire to keep learning and, and and Evan, you're going to learn this if you haven't already learned it. And so will the listeners. The more you learn, the, the, you know what I'm going to say, the more you realize you don't know still. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that pursuit of, of learning is, is fantastic. Now, I'll give you a caveat, though. Just learning it for the sake of learning it is not, is not good enough. Uh, knowledge is okay. 
but it doesn't become wisdom until it's applied to an experience. And, uh, and so I would, I would, I would tell people uh, it's great to get the, it's great to get the learning. It's great to get the degree, but you got to apply it and you got to be, you got to be, um, you can't be afraid to make mistakes mm-hmm. in the application. That's how you learn too. Yeah. So. Well, I know I can definitely speak from a, from a, an executive standpoint. You're always looking for those people that are, have that desire to learn and that are, are willing to, uh, you don't like it when they fail, but you understand the failure too, because you realize that's going to help make them that better employee. And it's going to get them to that, that point where they're going to make the next, some case, me a lot of things and so for me to let somebody fail and it's not necessarily i'm letting them fail i'm letting them put i'm allowing them to take that step where i'm not saying hey i've already done this and it doesn't work i'm I'm gonna gonna allow them to grow in that situation i think that's really important for uh an employee or even if you have managers underneath you to allow them that freedom we talked to brad johnson a couple podcasts ago about when he hiked the appalachian trail yeah yeah and uh and his story about doing that was so cool because I think he learned just as much on the journey um, about leadership as he did about endurance and everything else. Because for him, when he came back to his company after being gone for five months, uh, he noticed that his employees really uh, appreciated the fact that they that he they had his trust. Yeah. And that he allowed them to kind of be in control. And I think that just said so much to him. I think times we just control much that we really allow our, our people to really have that full buy-in because we're never giving them permission to fully do their job. We, we say here at SCFM, we say, we're not going to let you fail. Mm-hmm. Um, just ask the right questions. Do what you think is right. Take care of the client. And we're not going to let you fail. You're surrounded by a lot of people who care, and we're not going to let you fail. But we don't want you to be afraid um, to, to try new things or to, um, to take a risk. If it's for the customer's benefit and it won't hurt us, do something different and take care of the customer. I'll add this too, Evan. We, um, we read a book a month at SCFM. We have, we have leadership team meetings and uh, once every Tuesday. And, and once a month, somebody will do a book review of mm. something that, that, he, that he or she thinks the rest of us should read. And, that's, and so we're exposed to a book a month that way. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's, again, again, um, we, want to, we want to cultivate a culture of lifelong learning. And so that's one way we do it. Well, I love how you're talking about culture. Culture is something that's uh, uh, that I've been really uh, passionate about over the last couple of years because, for me, I was a, I was a part of a culture. I was a part of one that was already created, and then when I got into the role where I was kind of in charge of the culture, uh, I I realized how much more important it was because that's where uh, you have the ability to kind of create the kind of company that you want to create. But it's through uh, that company culture, like who are who who we are as a company and how do we talk? How do we treat each other? How do we, how do we, what are some of the words that we say here? And I think sometimes when you're, you're under a culture and you're seeing some of those things happen and you're just like, Oh, here we go again. You know, they're passionate about this culture thing. This is all the warm fuzzies here at the office. I think that 
I would encourage you to kind of lean into that a little bit because when you're on the other side of it and you're on the leadership side and you're trying to accomplish like really implementing a created and crafted culture, um, that's what makes those companies last. I think it's amazing that you had somebody reach out to you from a company that uh, it was in the CEO role. And I, I think that if I'm reading between the lines, especially hearing some of the things that you're talking about, I think he reached out to you, not just for your expertise on like processes, administration and working with uh, with banks and financial stuff, but just as much a bit about who you were as a person and the culture that you would bring to the company and that you would be able to be a culture fit for the company. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, only in Only in hindsight did I find out who actually recommended me to my predecessor. Yeah. And, um, and I've cursed and thanked him every day since then. <laughs> but, but, Sounds like but a good friend. I can't, yeah, he's a good, he's a great friend, lifelong friend. We, we had, when I first got here, we were very intentional about our culture. I had reviewed uh, the financials of the company for going back two or three years as a part of being interviewed and, and, and doing the dance that you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, one of the questions I asked my two partners was, you know, how are we giving back to the community? We're making money. We're, we're doing good things, but what are we doing for others? And they didn't have a good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that they weren't good hearted. My two, my two partners are, are the best hearted guys you can imagine, but we weren't really, they, they weren't being intentional about the culture. And I, I decided we're going to be intentional about it. Um, we, but we happen to be Christians, but I don't think you have to be a Christian to apply some of the things I'm going to talk about now, mm-hmm. but because the, the three of us are Christians, we, we decided right at the beginning, God owns this business, mm-hmm. but we're not, we're all, we are shepherds. Mm-hmm. We are stewards of what's happening here. And, um, I sat down with my two partners and we decided, here's what the owners are looking for the company to be. Here's what we need our managers and leadership team to, to, make sure we're doing. Here's what we need. Everybody that's working with us. We don't talk about people working for us. We talk about people working with us. We're all co-workers here. And here's what we need everybody to do on a daily basis. And, you know, sometimes I feel like dad walking around the company, catching somebody doing something good, patting them on the back and saying, man, that's exactly what we want. That's, that's, Mm. that's fantastic. Or catching somebody maybe losing their temper um, being a little bit short tempered and saying, Hey, that's not who we are. It's okay, man. Just back, just, just settle down, slow down, count your blessings and, and let's move on. So, so, you know, I, I own the culture here in the company. I, I am the chief cultural officer besides being the CEO. And Evan, I'll tell you, this is how serious I take it. It's my number one job every day, mm-hmm. every single day is to reinforce the culture. And if you know anything about oil and gas, oil and gas is very cyclical. When it's <laughs> yeah. going when it's going well, it, it goes great. It's great. It's it's fantastic. We're now entering a good period. We'll probably have six or seven good years. That's what it t- uh, tends to happen. And then it'll go down and we'll have five or six really bad years. And you got to be able to weather that storm. But we've been through that cycle since I've been here. And we've, you know, we've had um, really bad problems and we've had good quality problems. And so we'd rather have the good quality problems. You know, it's really bad when you're wondering how you're going to make payroll the next month. Yes. 
Um, But when you're worried about how you're going to get three jobs, three projects done simultaneously, that's a high quality problem to have. So we we love high quality problems. We're thankful for everything. But but again, going back, we were very intentional about the culture. And it's it's my role to reinforce that culture every single day. And I got to start with me. You know, Mm -hmm. I've got to start with me. So, you know, I'm grateful for that. uh, And I'm grateful for two partners that uh, back me up in it and set and set an example, too. I'll tell you one quick story. We had to in 2014, we had to lay off almost everybody. We went from about 60 employees down to 13. Mm. Again, because the industry just tanked. And we had to lay off some really good people. And we got the leadership team together, some of whom were going to be laid off. And I said, guys, we need to try to find a job for everybody we're laying off. Everybody. So I started calling in chips from my peers in and around Tulsa. Everybody else started making phone calls. Evan, we placed every single person that we laid off. Wow. We placed them somewhere. And um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody told me a story that really, really hit home with me. She was working with a, a lady, and uh, and she she was talking about work and you know how tough it was and 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 the culture wasn't very good, and the lady she was working with said, um, "When my husband got laid off from this terrific company several years ago, and we just want him to go back there. It's they treat people like family. They love everybody. They're always doing good community service things." They, the, the work culture is fantastic. Um, and we pray every morning that the industry will turn around. And they'll be able to hire my husband back. Mm. And so this lady who's telling me the story said, uh, what company are you talking about? She goes, I'm talking about SCFM. I didn't know. I did. I heard that story two weeks ago. It's the first <laughs> time I've heard it. And we laid, we laid him off in 2014. So four years ago, but, she, but she said, we pray every morning for four years that we'll turn, Things will turn around. Well, they they are turning around and uh, who knows who we might hire back. Yeah. But that, but that tells you, I mean, that's, that's, that kind of feedback tells me we're on the right path Mm -hmm. in terms of culture. We're certainly not perfect people and we're not a perfect company, but we're on the right path. And, and when our people feel that way, um, it, it gives me a warm, a warm feeling. Yeah, I, I think kind of goes back a little bit to even kind of what you were talking about with you and the the owners is being shepherds and stewards of everything that, you know, you kind of t- that that's a perfect application of culture. It's, it's probably one of those things would have been really easy to just say, hey, guys, the market's tough. You guys understand, you know how this business goes. Sure. Uh, and we, we got to let you go. And that that have been that. And, and, and they would you would have been totally justified in that. But because you viewed yourself as a steward and and as your people, as a part of your team, you took that extra step and resources to help connect and place those those people to the extent where, you know, now you're hearing a story like that, where that person wants to actually come back and work for, work for you. And like you said, a lot of those people, it's not it's not like they didn't do a good job. The, the market kind of uh, it, it forced the situation to happen. And so now with and I a lot of these industries are small enough right. that, you know, you're good town and them go doing it because you know, at some point you, you, you could need them back. And you, I believe 
based on what you're saying, especially with a story like that, a lot of those people would love to come back and work for you again and would probably work two, three times harder coming back because they know and appreciate everything that you did for them whenever the times were tough. Many of us, many of them call us from time to time and some will come over and have coffee from time to time, just sit yeah. before you in the lobby and, and we'll talk and, and uh, you know, we're, we're not only coworkers, we're friends and mm -hmm. we're family. We go to, we go to the funerals of each other's families. And we, I, I actually, I actually preached a funeral of uh, my parts and service manager a couple of years ago, uh, preached the funeral of his wife. Um, we grew very close to her and them uh, while, I, while I was here. And so um, we're, again, it goes back to that, that word shepherd. We're shepherds yeah. of these people. These God has given us these people. And so we, we want to, we want to grow them. We want to, we want to help them be all they can be and we want to take care of them. So that's, that's part and parcel of our, our culture. Yeah. I feel like that also flies kind of in the face of some of the, some of the things that uh, is out in the professional world. I know a lot of times people pride themselves in, you know, like my work life is my work life and my friend life and family life is my family life. And they completely compartmentalize those two, two things. And they don't want to necessarily, especially from a leadership standpoint, they don't want to associate with their employees because I think it, they feel like it humanizes them too much. And then like they, they feel like the, the employee could use it as a weakness or whatever else. And so, uh, I'm a strong proponent of trying to do that as much as you possibly can. Sometimes I don't think your, your employees will, I mean, their, their mindset is just like, Hey, you're my, I can't hang out with my boss, yeah. but I, I think it's good to have that family like environment because if you do have that, when the times are tough, everybody hunkers down and pitches in. And when the times are great, you guys can celebrate together. And it's not like they're hanging out with the boss, um, but they know they can come, they can come knock on my door literally any time and say, hey, I've got something I want to run by you, or I've got a question, or I've got a concern. And mm -hmm. they can come in and sit down, and, and there's, no, um, there's, 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 there's no hesitation. You know, yeah. A concern of theirs is a concern of mine. So mm -hmm. it's not it's, – it, yeah. and going back to, yeah, our, our, <laughs> when we're spending 8 to, to 10 hours a day with somebody, that's more time than I spend at home, waking time. You know, I get to spend four four hours or so with my wife and family uh, after work, but I'm spending eight to ten hours five days a week at least, uh, sometimes six, with these people. Why shouldn't I get to know them better? Yeah. Why shouldn't I um, uh, enjoy their company? Uh, that's just the way I, it looks like to me. And I hate <laughs> I hate this um, this trend. Uh, this recent trend of trying to uh, rank people as A players, B players, and C players. You're familiar with that whole yeah. notion. Um, that, that seems to me to be not, not only arbitrary, but a little bit condescending. Num number one, if I take a, an all-American defensive tackle, who's obviously an A player, and I play him at cornerback, he's going to get wrapped around himself and tied into knots. He, he will be a C player yeah. as a cornerback. If I take a running back and try to make him a defensive tackle, he's going to be a C player. I don't think A, B, and C uh, are good ways of evaluating people. I think the, the role we have as leaders is get them in the right position where they can, where they can fly. Get them in the mm -hmm. right position. And if they're, if they're not performing, 
likely they're not in the right position. So again, that's part of our shepherding, part of our stewardship. Let's, and, and you know what? And sometimes they're not a good fit for this culture. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. If they're not a good fit for this culture, let's find them something where they could be a good fit. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we've, we've placed people in other companies and they've done great. So uh, that's the way it works for us. And I, I really think that's the way it should work. <laughs> well, I, I think it, especially talking about it, because I, I think a lot of times you don't hear about this stuff. So I think it's awesome that we're talking about it. And especially, hopefully we're inspiring the listeners, especially the ones that are in the leadership roles to uh, to consider these options, consider these things that, you know, uh, SCFM is doing uh, with their teams and with their employees. Because I think if uh, we as business leaders in the business community are starting to do that, I think it, it or, you know, hire for culture and you create those teams and you have that that loyalty you're able to expand you're able to grow and the company's better and as the company's better then we can improve the lives of everyone around us and our customers see that and then not only our customers but even the competition and, and other people out there see that to the point where we're starting to attract people uh, to work for our companies and, and, and attract them to want to do business with us because of how we treat those. And it, it, again, I, I, I classify it sometimes as like, you know, people viewing it as fluff. I, I am right now in the process of, of creating a culture for the, uh, for, for our corporate umbrella company. And sure. so that has multiple companies involved with it. And they each have kind of their own individual culture. Some have no culture at all. And uh, you know, as, as we're kind of discussing it and going through it, like we, pretty much recognize we know that there's going to be some companies that completely you know build a wall and just say you know we're not ready for this we don't we don't believe in it and so it's almost like the onus on us uh, with the companies that are willing to participate and willing to get involved to help them show the advantages of it and and what can we can accomplish with it so that the ones that are maybe a little bit slower to adapt or a little bit more closed-minded to it, they start to see the results of it and it becomes something that they want to aspire to. And it's not to say that they're not going to do it. It just, it's going to take a little bit longer in the process. And part of that's just because they, they don't trust the system yet. They don't trust uh, the, the idea of culture because they probably haven't had a good example of culture uh, in the business world that they've been involved in. They've been, they've been burned. I, I told, yeah. I told my two partners when we got ready to roll this out, I said, um, First of all, I laughed when you said some people think of culture as fluff. If you think yeah. of culture as fluff, you're, it's pretty shallow. It's pretty shallow culture you're, you're dealing with. I told my partners, now the rubber's going to hit the road mm -hmm. because now we're going to get involved in people's lives and we're going we're gonna to get dirty hands and we're going we're gonna to feel uncomfortable sometimes. But that's just the way it is with being a shepherd over, over your flock. And, and the uh, quick story. Um, the first person I had to sell our culture to was my HR manager. I had to sell the culture to her because she's the, she's the, she's the employee facing position. I mean, she's going to interview new hires and mm -hmm. she's got to enforce the culture. She happened not to be a believer. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm coming, I'm sitting down in, in her office and I'm saying, Hey, I want to tell you what we've decided to do. I don't, I want to want to walk you through it and I want to get your thoughts. And so I explained to her that, you know, we, we really believed as Christians, we, we needed to have a, a really heartfelt, genuine, transparent culture. Uh, we thought everybody could perform better that way. Uh, kindness, generosity, setting the example. 
And uh, at the end of at, at the end of my talk, I said, "So tell me, how do you how do you feel about this? What's what's your reaction?" And she said, um, "I don't quote I quote I don't yeah. understand the Jesus stuff, but how can I not want to work for a company that wants to treat me as a human being, <laughs> get to know me and care about me?" And I said, "So are you on board?" And she goes, "I'm I'm on board." And yeah. I said, fantastic. And I knew we were at least, you know, I, we were at least heading down the right path because again, it does, you don't have to believe like we do to work here at SCFM. You don't have right. to believe like we do in terms of religion. Mm-hmm. You do have to believe what we believe in terms of culture. Right. But our culture works equally well in a faith-based environment or a secular-based environment it works equally well. And uh, that's that's the staying power of of being intentional with your culture. Yeah, those principles are interwoven from your belief system all the way to your culture, and I think that's where it starts to show up. Uh, one of the things you were talking a little bit about there was talking about being generous as an organization, and I know you do some volunteer works uh, and you create opportunities to give back to the local community. Um, I know sometimes people. Uh, look at that and and go, well, I don't know if people would actually participate in this or, you know, uh, is it going to be enough to make a difference? But uh, I'm a, I'm starting to be a lot more involved in giving back to the community and I really enjoy it. But I'd love to get your perspective of, of why you believe it's so important and what are some of the benefits of giving back to the community through your company and through your employees? Uh, like how has that helped uh, you in your leadership and helped you as a company? It's, I think it starts first with our employees. Obviously, we want to give back to the community, but we can't possibly be involved in every single activity and everything that's going on. So it it starts with employees first. And I'll give you um, I'll give you an example. When I first got here, our our shop manager, uh, the guy who was in charge of our shop facility and and getting projects done and and assembled and and out on time, I noticed that his hours were um, erratic. His work hours were erratic. And he had a number two guy. His number two guy was very, was very able and, and made sure everything got done. But I asked about that, and, I, and they, they said, well, he doesn't like people to know this, but his wife has MS. And so he's got to check on her a couple of times a day because it's very expensive to get nursing care, as, as you can imagine, Evan. And, and so he's, he's her caretaker. All the kids are out of the house. He's her caretaker. And, um, and so, so he's got to leave from time to time during the day. So I, I wanted to learn more about MS. I, I, I knew of it, that I'd heard of it, multiple sclerosis, but I had no idea what it meant. So we actually had a nurse come over. Are you listening to the rain? Are you, is, are you getting rain where you're at? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, it's pouring. It's pouring here. Oh, it's coming down hard. So uh, I, I, I wanted to get to know more about this situation because I wanted to figure out how could we help this guy? Cause he, for some reason he had taken an interest in me and he was teaching me the business and spending time with me. So we brought a nurse, uh, one of my coworkers uh, knew a nurse and went to church with her and we had her come over and, and I just asked her, tell me about MS. And tell me how, you know, what, what it's, what its symptoms are and what it does to the caregiver. And she said, Jay, we usually lose the caregiver before we lose the MS patient. And I said, how can that be? And she said, they work, they literally work themselves to death trying to take mm-hmm. care of, of the, uh, the patient. 
And, and I, so I said, what can we do for him? And she said, well, I don't know if you can afford it or not, but um, you need to ask him if he's getting any time away. Does he get a week? Does he have anybody to come in and cover for him so he can get away on a Saturday and do something different? And you just need to ask him questions, ask him what he needs. Well, this guy was, you know, he, he, he had pride and, and uh, he didn't want to really, um, he perceived it as, you know, getting help that he really didn't need or deserve and, and uh, didn't want to be a burden to us as owners of yeah. the company. But I sat him down and I said, Randy, talk to me. Tell me about your wife and tell me about the situation. And he said, well, Jay, we've been married 20 years and she's had MS for 19. She, she oh, didn't wow. even get diagnosed until a year into our marriage and then she got diagnosed. And, and he said, what it's done to her is she's lost the use of all her limbs, little by little by little. And he said, now she... She can only lay in bed and her right hand still works, um, but that's all it works. And so uh, I decided to invest in him. And we, my wife and I would go over and spend evenings with, with he and his wife. And he could sit her up in a wheelchair and if he strapped her in, she could sit in the wheelchair. She was very articulate and, and very conversational. She likes people just like I do. So we really enjoyed each other's time. And we would play this game. We'd play a song and see who was the first one that could guess it. You know, you know play, yeah. play all the 80s songs. And can you guess what band that was? And she liked that. And it was fun. And um, we, we started figuring out how to give him relief. We, we brought in somebody on Saturday and on Sunday. So we got weekends uh, where he could go do something, do stuff. And we just, just figured out ways that we could help him. And the, 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 the return on that is not a tangible thing. This guy has stuck with our company through the ups and the downs. And he, I mean, he's totally bought into the culture because he's felt it firsthand. Yeah. So now he tries to see what good things he can do for other people. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he's just a terrific proponent for the culture, but it just took a little bit of investment on our, our part. And going back to your initial question, before you get involved in community stuff, make sure you're taking care of your own people. Does that make sense? Make sure you're taking care of your own people. Then start looking for community projects that you can do. And we've, we've partnered with churches um, in the sense of, hey, if you've got anybody that you know, what we've got, we've got carpenters and welders and, and assembly guys, and we can do a lot of that kind of stuff. So if you've got members or know of anybody in our surrounding, we've got a church literally across the street from our, uh, our office building. And so we just went to them and said, if you know people in the area that need an air conditioner fixed or uh, a fence fixed or something like that. We'll do it on behalf of the church, but we'll do it for the community. And it, that that's been a great partnership. So we've been, a, we've been, we've been able to share that, share our skills and our cult in our culture with people we don't even know. And it's yeah. not, it's not important that we know, them, but, um, but it's important that we do something to help. Well, I think, I think it's great that you do that. And I think it's awesome that we're able to kind of share some of that because I know that's not always something that we talk about uh, as, as a company or a, as an organization. So uh, just knowing that other people are out there doing that and hopefully we're inspiring people to implement things like that. I love how we're talking about investing in our employees first and, 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 and yes, absolutely. We need to do that. And I think that um, I, as you kind of get to that, that point where you, you've, you're, you're taking care of that part of it and it's, you're looking inward first and, and then you're starting to look outward. And I think when you're able, really can start to grow your culture uh, and, and, and help 
maybe even give some of your employees the, the the ones that don't necessarily have opportunities of leadership in their current roles. Now they're able to get a little bit of leader opportunity to leadership opportunity outside of the company. And now you're actually developing better people there too. So obviously we'll want to help the community and that's, that's what we do, but there, there are also some, some indirect benefits that start coming from those things. And, um, what I, I, like, Kevin, what, yeah. I, what I like is when, I remember I said we laid off about three quarters of the company back in 2014. Mm. When I get a phone call or when somebody shoots me an email and says, Hey, we're trying to implement the culture we had at SCFM over here at this new company. Yeah. I just think, you know what? God knows a lot better than we do what, what needs to happen and when it needs to happen and how it needs to happen. Those are the calls that make you say, okay, I'm doing something worthwhile here. Absolutely. I think that's where we start getting, Getting into the things, I think a lot of times we, when we first talked, we talked a little bit about finding our purpose, and I know you talk a lot about that. But I think ultimately, ultimately, whenever you're um, when you're leading people and you're in these roles, and you're trying to define your success, you're trying to you know find your purpose in what you're doing. I think sometimes you get caught up in like, well, my purpose is to make money and take care of my family, or my purpose is to you know have this certain house or to do this certain job or accomplish this certain thing. And I think that sometimes our purpose is to help other people. And I think a lot of times our purpose is to help other people. And we get kind of distracted by everything else that's around us or what we think success is or what we think leadership is. And, and sometimes we think leadership is attaining leadership as opposed to actually leading people, actually giving back to people. And so I, what, what I, what I hope is through, you know, conversations like this and, and through, you know, people being more intentional to grow into a, a, a form of, or grow into a true fulfillment to where, we're not having to search outside of ourselves all the time to feel accepted, to feel successful, to feel like we're doing a good job. We're able to look around and see the fruit of all of that. And that fruit is actually going in and hopefully investing in other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I will tell you this. I think I got my realization about leadership and culture when I was actually in the ministry and I had, um, I had put together a sermon on culture and Evan, the only examples that I could come up with, now I had already served in the, in the secular world, in the business world. I'd been in the military. I was now in the ministry. I'd been in higher education. I'd already served in a lot of different areas. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting there trying to come up with good examples of good culture. And the only places I could get it from was sports and the military. That's all, I, could only get, I, only got, I could only get good examples from those two fields. And I thought something's wrong. Yeah. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't think of a particular business where the culture is so good that you want to use that as an example. So I, I went back to, I started thinking about my days as a quarterback at that Catholic high school I was telling you about. Yeah. And I thought, you know, you're a part of a team when you're the quarterback, you, you huddle up with everybody and they're looking at you. They're looking at you. What are we going to do? Well, here's what we're going to do guys. We're going to run. We're going to pass. We're going to move the ball down the field and we're going to score. And by the way, Joe, you've been having trouble blocking your guy. Frank, help him out. And you, you are, you're solving problems on the move I mean, yeah. in real time. And, 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 you're, and you're building confidence. When they look in your eyes and, say, and, and you're saying, we're going to score. That's what we're going to do. It builds confidence. When you're in the business world and you're walking around talking to your friends, 
not your friend, your, your coworkers, your friends, and you're saying, here's who we are, guys. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we need to do. And this is what this is what's going to happen when we do it. And they see that. It just builds trust and confidence. It, it's really just being, like I said, it's the rubber's hitting the road. You're going to get your hands dirty, but it's being transparent and it's being confident, but not cocky. And it's believing in your people and coaching them to perform at the level you know they can perform at. And that's not a one-man job. Uh, that's everybody's. That's everybody's job. So I'm, no. I'm not taking credit for this. I'm just saying I, I do realize I learned a lot of those lessons on the football field, yeah. playing quarterback. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm, getting to, I'm getting, getting to put them to use here years and years later. <laughs> well, that I mean, first, we don't think business, but I think a lot of times uh, some of those principles are just like a, a, they're, they're, they're universal in, in any sport or any application in, in yeah. business. We're team Jay, team. I, I want yeah. <laughs> I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. We've talked a little bit about culture. We talked about giving back. We talked a lot about a lot of different topics, but uh, my audience is uh, kind of that next generation of leaders. They're the people that are finding themselves in leadership roles or, or trying to get uh, – get to that next phase of leadership to where uh, they're at a point where they're realizing that success is more than just financial. It's more than just a title. And so what I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to them and really give them your message to young business leaders. So Jay, what would you say uh, your message is to young business leaders? Well, <laughs> how long do you, how long do I have to talk about this? You got as long <laughs> as you want. First of all, my purpose in life and your purpose in life as a listener uh, is not to accumulate things. Now, the American culture is really good at teaching that. You know, we're a consumer-driven culture, and everybody's got to have the latest iPhone. Everybody's got to have a new house. Everybody's got to have a new car. And, and our life begins to revolve around stocks and bonds and houses and cars and the things that we accumulate. And I'm here to tell you, my peers are CEOs in companies all around Tulsa. And some of them are caught up in that culture and they're not happy. They're not happy individuals. I, I know these guys and, and gals. I've had cigars with them. I've had a drink with them. I've sat down to lunch with them. I've sat in, in, uh, in workshops and forums with them. And when, when your focus as a leader or just as, just as a person uh, is on material things, you will never be happy because you can never get enough. Yep. I, I began to figure out um, after college when I finally kind of found myself but still didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I learned over the years, I can remember we lived in Denver for a few years and as we were leaving Denver, we were driving in the car to my next job that was in Columbus, Ohio. And I said to my wife, you know, we spent four years in Denver. Why do you think we were there? What was the reason we were in Denver? And it wasn't in order to drive a BMW. It wasn't in order to have a certain house or whatever. She looked at me and goes, you know, I think it was, I think we were there because of so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And, -so and, -so. and she just named some people that we had made a difference in their lives. And she said, that's why I think we lived in Denver, Colorado. And I said, well, it's going to be fun to see why we're going to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And, and, and so we just began to see our lives are really a ministry to other people. 
And yeah, we, we, we make some money along the way. Um, we buy a car from, from time to time. I don't really buy new cars. I buy you, I buy nice used cars. <laughs> I let somebody else take the depreciation. Yeah, but, <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we, we, we buy a car when we need it. Um, we have a nice house. It's not, it's not lavish or extravagant by any means, but it's, it's nice for us. And, and we're happy with that. But we really are looking, we, we, my wife and I look for ways that we can speak into people's lives and make an impact. And so mentoring, Evan, you know, I've talked about this. Mentoring mm -hmm. has become a big thing for me. I mentor about a dozen um, young men and my wife is mentoring about that many young women. And when I say young, I mean, I mean, 20 to 40 ish. Um, for some reason, I know that some of these generations, uh, the, 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 the 20 somethings and the 30 somethings, they catch a lot of flack mm -hmm. in the media, the unselfish. And I mean, not they're selfish and they're, they're and they're self-centered and, and they're ungrateful and yada, yada, yada. There, there are plenty of those, those kinds of people. I, I grant you that. But the ones that I'm meeting um, are, are they, they want to find out what they're supposed to do. They want to have some guidance. And um, for some reason or another, they, 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 they reach out to me and I'm more than happy to help. But I will tell you, when I mentor somebody, I put the onus on them. Mm -hmm. I have them put together an agenda uh, each time we meet and they tell, I want them to tell me, you know, what is it they want to get out of our mentoring sessions? I have them commit to a certain time frame, And at the end of that time frame, what is it you want to, what is it you want to get out of that? So, uh, you know, they're not just sitting down to lunch with me and getting a free meal. Mm -hmm. um, they, they've got to exercise a few brain cells as a part of that. And so we'll talk about everything from um, physical health and, and working out to investing in stocks or, you know, sometimes family problems. But we just feel like the best use of our time is investing in other people. Hmm. And we, we, we love that. We get fulfillment out of that. We think we, we believe we're serving God by doing that. And people don't have to believe the same way I do to, to sit down with me and, and talk about how do we, how do we both become better? And I learn as much from mentoring somebody as probably as, as much as they learn yeah. uh, from it because it's, you know, a lot of it's self-awareness becoming more aware of uh, myself. So that, that would be what I would say to, to the audience is don't make your purpose in life. Don't make it revolve around material stuff. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never get happiness and, and you'll still, and you'll, You'll, it's a purposeless life is what it is. Mm -hmm. Make your purpose in life, making a situation better when you leave it than when you found it. Helping a person attain some goal, get something done. Just improving things, moving the ball down the field, no matter what it is, whether it's, whether it's your, your buddies doing your hobby or whether it's at work or whether it's some, some uh, community organization you're a part of, uh, part of make it a little bit better just and move the ball down the field. And to me, the returns are fantastic. I can't, I can't even, I can't quantify them. I can't quantify them. There's a lot of good, you know, if you want a motivational speech, there's a lot of good ones on YouTube. There's two that I would point out. Denzel, and they're both by Denzel Washington. Who's one of my favorite actors. Put in a mm -hmm. little 
been a little uh, advertising <laughs> well, for he's probably, he's, he's probably listening, so yeah. probably, yes. Denzel has got a, uh, a, 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 there's a speech that he made to a graduating class of a university. And the point that he, was, he made to this class was put God first. Put God first. And, and it's seven or eight minutes, but it's, it's terrific. It's, you want something motivational, that's motivational. And the second one is one that he did where he said, learn to say thank you. Hmm. Learn to say thank you to other people, to the creator, be thankful. And, you know, even the Bible talks about that. So um, those are some great motivational messages if you want those. Well, what I'll do is I'll get the links from you and I'll share those in the, in the show notes so that people okay. can uh, click on those and find those. Um, but man, we're, we're talking about all sorts of awesome stuff here. Uh, and man, I appreciate you sharing that. When we're talking about saying thing, you were talking about gratitude. And I think gratitude is, um, is the enemy of selfishness. It's the enemy of pride. And the, the beautiful thing about that is when you choose to, when you choose to have gratitude, and when you say thank you and, you and you have that appreciation for the things that others have done for you and the things that you have, you have that, you go back to that fulfillment, you go back to that purpose. And, and ultimately, when you're investing in other people's lives, like you were talking about, and you're looking for ways to speak into the, their lives, that's where true leadership comes from. We just had um, Alan Trimble, uh, the coach of uh, Jinx, uh, speak at YBT, and just I was blown away. Uh, to the point where I actually got kind of I got kind of emotional about it, but just blown away uh, by how humble he was and how fulfilled he was. And he, as you may know, he's he's kind of gone. He's he's been kind of dealt uh, a rough deck of cards lately with the ALS uh, that he has. But even in that, he's looking for ways to help other people. And even in that, he's he's trying to speak into other people's lives. And it just the the peace that was on him was just so impactful to me that all I could say was that it was really cool. And I've, I've, normally I have a lot of words to say. And in that case, I just, all I could say was, I just think that's really cool. I think it's, I think it's amazing that you're able to take your, no matter what situation you're in, had something that when we're looking for fulfillment, where we're looking to try to find our purpose in life and all these different things that we're constantly searching for, that when we're giving to other people, we're investing in other people, and we're having gratitude, ultimately those are some of the things that are going to help us get to that next level in life to where we can help other people and be leaders of people and create culture and do all the things that we're talking about today. So, Yeah, when you, when you talk about Alan Trimble, here's a guy who's dedicated his adult life to coaching young men on the football field. Dedicated his life to it. That's actually a good uh, comparison. We all ought to, all of us ought to be looking for opportunities to coach. Yeah. To coach. Yep. <laughs> not, not demand, not demand, not, not punish coach. And it's a, that's a great word. We probably ought to incorporate coach into our vocabulary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jay, thank you for taking the time to speak to my audience, to coach me, to mentor my audience and everybody here. Uh, I want to make sure that I say thank you for being leadership and, and being willing to speak in other people's lives to the mentorship that you do uh, and being willing to speak into the lives of our audience here today. So with that, listeners, choose to connect, seek development and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or 
email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.